0: truly identify with um, Pastor Sivali When we go to the Kuna Islands in, in, um, in Panama, we start going there, you cannot go into an island unless the chief approve. And once you get in, when I went with the teenagers, uh, come some, some years back, we gotta go sit into a big hut uh, with all the chief and all the people there, and uh, we got to sit there. And they sometimes they smoke their pipe and they pass it around and they ask you questions. And I, I have to sit there until they deliberate and and they accept your coming into the island to be able to um, minister there. It's a really interesting experience. Uh, remember. In one island, thanks to somebody you and I know very well, um, by flying some object that it shouldn't be flying, we almost got, um, we had an uproar in that island. Not going to say who it was, but it's a certain youth pastor that will carry away with a new drone that he, bought, that he purchased. <laughs> that, was a, that was an experience. I always have a... a um, A inspiration, draw inspiration and strength, and admire missionaries because of what missionaries uh, mean for me and my life. Remember, I often mention that I'm a product of missions. I was saved in Costa Rica in a town named Gravilias, that back then, when Costa Rica was a tour work country where i live was a barrio Me- M- meaning was the lower of the <laughs> the lower of the lowest in the area in san jose in the capital and a missionary planted a church there, and that's where I went, a Baptist church. And that's where I went. That's where I got saved. And when we gra- gra- graduated high school, went to Bible Seminary, and all my teachers were missionaries. All the missionaries that work in Costa Rica, they were, they were my, my teachers and my professors and so on. So I always admire, i saw a soft part, for the cause that, mission, that missionaries um, do that leaving their family, leaving what they know, leaving the comfort, leaving security, and often going into places that are dangerous. They're into places that they don't know what's going to be tomorrow. And let me tell you, not trying to make fun at all of what I'm going to say next, but when you are white, blue, or green eyes in some of these countries, you are target. You are target for many things. And many missionaries go to countries and they became target. Their wives, their children are target just because they're, they're Americans. And just thinking about that, we must be praying more for our missionaries and for safety, for their protection and the work that they do. I want to take your attention now to Acts chapter 1, if you would please. Acts chapter 1. I want to thank also, we brought an idea to this school, I believe, to Brother Wink. We brought an idea to have a shoe drive. And the school, I believe, has been promoted already. He's shaking his head, so I'm not saying, I'm not talking. Um, that... um. We're going to be sending some boxes to the country of Venezuela. We're going to send, um, you all know that from time to time, about two or three times during the year, I will send supplies to some of the churches there in Venezuela, the churches that I'm associa- associated with. And for the month of November, uh, in our last shipment to that country, we're going to be sending, part of what we want to send our children's shoes. Whether they're slightly used or new, because it is almost impossible for families to buy shoes for their children. Let me tell you: in the last month, okay, let me say today, one dollar represent four hundred and seventy-five thousand bolivares. If you can wrap your head around that, the average wage is 900,000 bolivares, which means you work 40 hours a week for a month and your wage is $2 a month. A carton of eggs right now is between 5 or $7. So how do you make it? It's very, very difficult. What that country is going through. They are, they, um, they order gas, even though they are oil producing country, they order gas, um, gas for cars, and even cooking gas. Um, Just in the month of August, we were able to send down some boxes with slow cooker, rice cooker, rice cooker, uh, grill, um, you know, electrical appliances so they could cook. Because they were cooking out of wood. Actually making, you know, a wood pile and cooking because they didn't have gas and they couldn't buy. Even if they had the money, there were no gas uh, to go and buy to be able to cook. um, um, There at the um, mission house that we have there, at the church we have there in Cumana in Venezuela. So pray for that country. There are things, I mean... Every time we mention it, we know it's, it's, it's worse, but it's, when you think it can't get worse, it gets even worse. I was going to say worse, sir, but I don't think it's a, that's a word. My wife is correcting me. Don't say that. <laughs> it gets even worse. Um, just uh, some days ago, a couple weeks ago, I was able to be in Ecuador, in the city of Cuenca, where we have a church plant with Pastor Antonio. And it was great to be with that, with that church. They have been They have not seen each other, believe it or not, until we met maybe 10 days ago in, in the church when I got there. They have not seen each other, because Ecuador has been in total lockdown. They've only seen each other by zoom, and that's been it. So 10 days ago, when I was there, we had a meeting with the church. They're transitioning from a small building that they, can't, they can no longer meet there because of the provision that, they, that the government is putting on them. Um, they need a bigger place. So I was able to be there, help them with some things, counsel, prayer, preach with, with, with them, um, and support them spiritually. They're going through a tough time. Can you imagine a church plan? can't meet for seven months. I know they have to change because the government say you can only fit five people in the building you have. So they need to move to something bigger that, again, is going to be more expensive and they're trying to navigate that. In Peru, they still cannot meet. It's been eight months since any church in Peru has met. They took, Just yesterday, they went in front of the Capitol be building in front of Congress a bunch of evangelical churches asking the government to please allow them to reopen churches. They already open nightclubs, discotheques, casinos, bars, restaurants. Even the airport is open, but they are still not allowing churches to open. So that is what some of our Bedroom are facing in those countries. And I pray that you will um, remember them in your prayers. Is God willing, tomorrow afternoon, I will be going down to the headquarters in Panama. I'm going to be there for five days. And there are a lot of things to do there. I haven't been there in eight months. Uh, We're going to be looking at a lot of things there. Let me tell you, my nose is really upset with me. He said, why your nose? No, not because it's that big. It's because every time I'm going somewhere, I got to do the COVID test. And as soon as I come back, I have to do it again to, to know that I'm okay. So for the last month and a half, I have done it seven times. And let me tell you, it's not fun. Anybody here have done it? Oh, several have done it. It's, yeah, they put it all the way up. It's like so. But thank God so far things are going well. I want us to go if you would please to Acts chapter 1 because Jesus is going to give instructions to his disciples that are different than what they have heard so far even when they were under the law. And when we have, we have heard this verse many a times. But I hope tonight we can look at the impact that this meant to them and to the future of the gospel because of their obeying that call and that command from the Lord Jesus. And how even today that command is for us it need to be preached, and it need to be also be followed. Let's read chapter one, verse one in the book of Acts. Is the word please? In the first book, all Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles who he had chosen he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proof, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father have fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we pray, Lord, that you will work in our hearts. Now we will see your will. And Heavenly Father, as, I may, as is we may be or I may be so bold, Father God, will you call someone to your service? Will you call someone to the field? Would you call someone to go even to the end of the earth to carry the good news? If we are find grace upon you, Lord, before you, would you call someone? This world is in desperate need of the gospel. It seems that as the day go by, the need is getting greater and greater. Lord, would you call someone? It is your name we pray. Amen. Jesus has spent with his disciples 40 days after his resurrection. As Luke, who wrote this book, account to Theophilus, there were many proof of his resurrection, and many saw him, and many spent time with him. But now it was time for Jesus' departure. And in his departure, he's going to give like the last marching orders to his disciples. The last marching orders to his disciples, face to face, I mean. They asked the question, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel in this time? You see, in their mind, their major and number one priority, perhaps in their head, were thinking that the kingdom of God and their primary need was to see Israel restored as a power, a political kingdom, because Messiah has come. Jesus quickly said, it's not to you to know, it's not to you to know the times that God has fixed in his own authority. But this I want you to do, remain here and you will receive power. There's something about the gospel when it's preached by the word of God and when it's done with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Ghost. You will receive power, he says, and you shall be my witnesses, not just here in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, not only in Samaria, but to the end of the world. We got to go back a little bit, actually, a far back, to understand perhaps the power of the meaning of, these, of those words from Jesus to his disciples. You see, you don't have to look for, for it. I'm going to mention some verses that you know. Uh, when, when, when God called Abraham, when God called Abraham four thousand years ago, in Genesis chapter 12, he told Abraham, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, I will make you an, a, your name great, you shall be a blessing, I will bless those that bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And then he added, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Furthermore, in Genesis 22, it repeated, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you are obeying my voice. I will multiply your descendants of the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed over and over in the book of Genesis God repeated to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob that their obedience he want to use their obedience their descendants to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth God wanted that message and that blessings that blessing to go to all the nations not just to remain in Israel, or for one people. In the book of Psalms, we see it over and over. Blessed be the Lord God, Psalm 72, 18 and 19. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone work wonders, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 1, 2, 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Again, God Calling to the nations. To the nations. One of the verses I like to read from time to time in Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 19. Oh Lord, my strength and my stronghold and my refuge in the day of distress. To you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say our fathers and inherit nothing but falsehood, fillity and things of not profit. Nations will come and declare this to you. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 27 to 28. A seeker proclaimed the following. My dwelling place also will be with them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctify Israel. When my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Israel. The purpose of Israel was to make known to the nations who God was. Who God is. The purpose of the nation was to serve as a witness. The the purpose of the nation of Israel was to serve as a testimony. A beacon to the entire world that all nations will know who God is. In his prayer... In his prayer, King Solomon in 1st Kings chapter 8, verse 41 to 43. In his prayer, King Solomon said the following. Also, concerning the foreigner who is not of your people Israel, when he comes from a far country for your namesake, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm when he comes and prays toward this house here in heaven your dwelling place and do accordingly to all you which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the people of the earth may know your name to fear you as do your people Israel and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. Even the foreigner Solomon prayed, when he built the temple, when they were inaugurating the the temple, that temple that was sitting up there on that mountain, covering gold in and out, when the foreigner will come, when they hear of your mighty hand, when they hear of of your name, and they will come to Jerusalem to meet that God, and they see that temple, they will know that you, God, is the God, the only one, the God of Israel. All over the Old Testament you read how Israel well ought to be a beacon, a light, a testimony for all the nations. But of my questions in that, how that to happen? How was that going to happen? This past week, we started in Mosaic a study of the religions of the world, the five major religions of the world. And the title of the series is called Which Faith? What are we doing is make, having the definition of what true faith is all about, including Christianity, and filtering every single major religion through that definition of faith. Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and reaching the conclusion, what is faith and what is not? What is just belief and what is really come from faith? So last Thursday I said, we're doing my broadcast on YouTube, um, I'm using a different, um, what do you call it, platform that allow me to put videos and put my... um, my PowerPoint, and so on. So I'm not really seeing what's going on on YouTube. As I was talking and putting videos, guess what YouTube did? Shut me down. They shut me down for a moment, then they put me back. I thought it was just the video. Until I went back and saw the broadcast, no, even things that I was saying, they didn't like. And shut me down. And I'm thinking to myself, who have time to follow a little known preacher from Trenton, New Jersey? I guess they have very good algorithm or whatever, but they shut us down. So today we're able to, fo- to, to follow through. But as we were learning and studying Judaism, when God called Abram and his family to become a nation, they were the only one in the face of the earth. The oldest monotheistic religion of the world is Judaism. Before them, there were no one. According you know, to the stu- word studies, there are three major monotheistic re- religions Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. But Judaism was the first, and we know it was not a religion. God God didn't give them a religion, but that's how the world put it, categorized it. So Abraham and the people of Israel were the only one in the world that believed in an invisible, all-knowing, all-powerful God. The only one. So when you look at that 4,000 years ago, for the next two thousand years, from Abraham to Jesus, even well till, till then, put up the map where I put up, please, Pastor Larry. I wonder how the nations will know about this God. In the ancient time, that was called the fertile, the fertile crescent, was the area between the River Nile. And Euphrates surrounded the Mediterranean Sea. You might ask yourself, why did God ask Abraham to uproot his family and move all the way to Canaan? A narrow ribbon of territory between the eastern shore of the Mediterranean and the Jordan River. Why did the Lord need him to move from one end of the Fertile Crescent, he was all the way down in Ur, to the other? The answer is simple. Strategy. Strategy. The promised land of Canaan, now that we call Palestine, is only at some point only 60 miles wide in places. And its western edge is the Mediterranean Sea. To the east there is an impassable desert. Its locations make it a land bridge between three continents. In ancient time, for you to go from Africa into Asia or from Africa into into Europe or back and forth, you must and have to pass through that little piece of land. That's the reason empires fought for that land. That's the reason... um, Ultra history, maybe even up to 1948, when Britain gave up that land after World War II and the nation of Israel came into existence, that was a, it is a, a strategic point for world domination. In ancient times, commerce, caravans, everyone passed through there. Going up, going down. What do you think the polytheistic world that worships so many gods, when they went through that land, they walked through Jerusalem, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, every single one of them, they had many temples of of many gods. But when they go through that land, that land of Jerusalem, they saw how many temples? Only one. Only one. Shining bright up in that hill. And when they ask that temple of who God it is, can I go see him? What a perfect opportunity to preach and to tell and to witness about the true, living and only all powerful God. Israel was the beacon, the world would convey around Jesus, around Jerusalem. And nations will know about the Lord. That was Israel's purpose. That's why God called them to that point. But now, going back to Acts chapter 1, Jesus is telling them, you are not going to stay here. You see, things are going to change the strategy is going to change because you're going to receive power. You're going to receive the power of the Holy Ghost and you're going to be my witnesses, not only here in Jerusalem as it has been for the last 2,000 years. You're going to go to Judea. You're going to go to Samaria. And guess what? You're going to be my witnesses even to the end of the world. Now through the church, the gospel of good news will not just stay in one place, but the believers, the gospel will spread out. Should go. Folks we talk about praying. We talk about giving. But let me tell you we have to consider. Praying to go. The gospel needs. Those hands and feet. That will go. That will be willing to go. To the end of the world. If necessary. To give good news. I'm so happy there was a family that uprooted themselves and abandoned everything they know. Language, custom, family and friends, financial um, security. And went down to a little barrier in a Torah world country and preached the gospel. Because of their obedience and faith and in them going today I'm preaching to you. but we still need some that will go today, that will sacrifice, that will answer that call. We were married perhaps for two years. In fact, in my first year of marriage, 1998, we were married in February. I was invited for my first mission trip in November. that year. You cannot imagine how many people told me, oh Ray you're just newly wed. You're gonna leave Julia alone for two weeks? Oh I could never do that. Thank God I spoke to my wife back then. And I said, honey there's this mission trip. How do you feel of me going? And she said, honey no, you call me baby. I call you honey. I will be right here waiting for you when you come back. Two years later, I went to Thailand. During my time as assistant pastor in Bayonne, New Jersey, I was also the youth pastor at a Korean church. Not going to tell you how that happened, but I was doing both things. I would preach at Bayonne in the morning on Sundays, and at 2 o'clock I would be in Staten Island preaching to a group of Korean kids that only knew English and really did not understand the Korean language of the Bible. That's where they needed somebody to teach them. With that group in the year 2000, they invited me to go to Thailand with them. And this trip changed my life. We went from Jeff Kennedy on a Monday evening. We landed in Bangkok on Wednesday morning. Because of the, the, the division of, of time, for me, there were no Tuesday. a lost Tuesday. So that, that year, that Tuesday, they were going to say, a lost a day in my life. I need to get it back. I'm going to sleep some. Next, 45 teenagers, two pastors and myself. It was very interesting 20 years ago, walking around Asia in Korea and in Thailand with 45 Asian-looking people and the only black guy in the group. I tell you, at the airport, they stopped me like three times and my students had to come and rescue me and assured that I was with the group. Because it was very strange, I was the only one walking with all these Asians. I praise God, I still keep in contact with some of my students. Three of them are pastors. One of them is, is is a youth pastor. And even to this day, they still reminisce of the things that we went through during those times. Next. We did at least two months of preparation To be able to go to this trip. We were going to spend two and a half weeks with a group of people in a village up in the northern part of Thailand in Chiang Mai and the tribe of Lahu people. And I want to tell you a little bit about them. Next. There am I teaching the kids with some poster cards there. Isn't it amazing I haven't changed a bit? (laughs) Next. Some of that group that are there thank God today, most of them are still serving the Lord, most of them. In the first month of've've been of the youth pastor, half of that group accepted the, received the Lord as their savior. In the following months and years, others follow. And it will be three times a week that we will meet. But it was Bible, 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 and the vision of missions. Next. That what you see are the mountains of North Korea. What separates Seoul Seoul, and North Korea is just a river. And it's amazing when you look at Buildings on one side, and just that on the other side. Next. Go to another one. Paul Lee, he's right now in Long Island. He's a youth pastor today. He was one, one of those students that really wanted to know the Word of God. Really had questions. And the first one who got baptized from that group. Next. In this location, we are at the Golden Triangle. And this place is important because of what I'm going to say next. We are standing in Thailand. To your right is Laos. And down in the back, the mountains. Those are the mountains of China. And there's a reason why this part is important. Because of where we went next. Next. We took a plane... Monday, we landed in Bangkok on Wednesday. We continue on that night, Wednesday night, 12 hours up north to Chiang Mai on a train. That was Thursday. We took a, a bookie, like a truck drive for five hours. We slept at an at a, um, orphanage. And Wednesday morning, we took... We have to go over a river and you're going to see how, how, how we did it. And then we take some boats, kind of like those who went to Kuna with the little boat with a, with a little um, um, cover for, for three, three hours. They left us off at a plane and we walked uphill into the mountains to the villages for five hours. Five days of traveling to get to A tribe, a group of people that have never heard the name of Jesus. Next. This group of children is one of my favorite. I have another picture with them hanging on my hands, but I couldn't find it. When I went, when we walked into the village, have you seen those cartoons when the monster walked into the village? All the mothers start taking their kids and closing the doors and and, and, cl- and closing windows. Well, kind of that what happened when we walked into that village. Back then, 20, 20 years ago, there's no way to say we were coming. They just saw this group of about i of 50 people walking into the village. Most of them looked like them, Asian-looking, but there were one that were different. And they've never seen a black person before. This group of kids of all the village were the first group of kids that came up to me, start pinching my skin, wanted to know about my color, playing with my hair. You see back there, a little, a, a little flat top. So they start playing with my hair. So I, I wanted, they, they were the first brave ones. After two, we were all friends. Next. Here we are about to walk into a Buddhist temple. All throughout Thailand, especially in the, in the countryside. The more money or affluence you have, the bigger altar of Buddha you will make. But every single house had an altar of Buddha. Every single one. And the temples are humongous. Next. Some of those kids, what would happen is that the missionary would go into the villages and ask the parents to give them their kids. Because the Lahu people are a mixed breed. And the people from Chiang Mai will not allow them into their schools or society. So he will have two orphanage, get the kids from the villages, bring them to their orphanage, Give them academic study and the Bible. These kids will wake up and do that, 5.30 in the morning, go to chapel, sit down in straight line, boys and girls from youngest to oldest, the two older ones, the boy with a guitar, will lead this, this singing, and there they will have their devotional, finish at 30, one hour, then go to their breakfast, have breakfast, and from there to the classroom to school. And do that, just under own. I was like amazed. Maybe they were their best behavior because they have visitors, but I was amazed. Next. This picture is one that is dear to me. What a missionary there would do is that the students that felt the call to preach, then he would train in a Bible institute. And when they're ready, he will send them through the Golden Triangle up north into the mountains of China as missionaries, or he will send them back to their villages to start evangelical churches. Here we are to the start of a church plant. A student returned to his village where he was taken when he was a youth to the orphanage, and he was coming back to start an evangelical church. And they gave me the privilege to preach the very first message. They knew who Superman was. They knew who, they had Coca-Cola signs there, but they never heard a Jesus. They couldn't relate who is Jesus. And God gave me the opportunity to preach that very first message there to those people. I may never go back, may never see them again, but that experience that for me at that time was like going to the end of the world, that experience changed my life. Next. Some places have camels, some places have horses, some places have donkeys. In Thailand to cross the river, you use an elephant. It's different. Was all different. Next. We spent there two weeks, and when it was time to leave? First of all, we slept in huts, the us in people's huts. One little hut that served as their living room and their dining room, their kitchen, and at nighttime, their bedroom. It was so difficult, they go to bed at 6 in the evening because it's all dark, there's no electricity. But they're not going to bed until the visitor go to bed. So we had to go to bed at 6, 6.30 and try to sleep. But when we were leaving, the village did, wanted to do something special for us. For two weeks, we ate what they ate, rice and a bowl of water with some greens that they boiled. That's what was there to eat. Some of us smuggled little Vienna sausages or a tuna. And, you know, hiding in there. it was like, you know, contraband. But when we were leaving, they wanted to make something special because of the visit. And they gave us rice. And they gave us the water, the kind of tea with the leaf. And they gave us meat. Where did they get the meat from? One of those two was sacrificed for us. They killed one of their dogs to give us meat. And to have as a way of appreciation. Folks, and I end with this. When Jesus tells his disciples they want to receive power to be witnesses of him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the end of the world, was a radical, revolutionary thinking and saying. They never be used to that. Well, we are beneficiaries of that great commission. We have been for many years, but there are still many today, even in our own continent, that still need someone to go. Will we pray and consider that maybe I can go and carry the good news. Father God, thank you so much for you setting the example in love and your mercy to come into us. Lord, as we look at the need to go, please, Father God, fill us with your Holy Spirit and let us see what you see. The souls that you see. Thank you for your word. And thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. God bless. We're dismissed.